Earlier this week, I spent some time with Maria Murillo, a parent in Maryland who has a five-month-old son. <laughs> he looks happy. Yeah, he's happy. happy and healthy. He's a little grumpy. His naps this this uh, today weren't that great. He just started daycare, so he's oh. trying to you know get on that pattern. Yeah. But we'll get there. We will get there. Maria decided early on that she wanted to breastfeed, and she expected that she'd be able to. But Caleb was born early, via C-section, and her milk never came in. For months, she tried everything. I tried teas, um, all types of water, um, coconut water, regular water, ionized water, um, fruit that had water, <laughs> home remedies from Ecuador, home remedies from like our neighbors that just told us what to do, went to a lactation consultant, tried two different pumps, uh, tried a pump that the lactation consultant told me was used to cure mastitis from an elephant. Like that's what I was using wow. for myself. She realized she'd have to start using formula to keep her son fed, which for Maria was a really fraught and complicated decision. I want to say I cried for an entire month because I just felt so useless, like this was supposed to be my job. But, you know, we're lucky enough to be able to buy formula. It took some time, but Maria and her husband, Stephen, figured out which formula Caleb could stomach. He was eating. He was happy. And then the shortage started. And then I couldn't find it anywhere. At that point, I was looking in Target in Colorado, where my friend was temporarily working, in Florida, where my, Stephen's parents, my husband's parents were like on vacation, in uh, Wisconsin, where my friend lives, Michigan. They just anywhere I could even the remotely think of an acquaintance, I was looking for it. I had my friend ship me, I think, 10 bottles that he found in Texas. Um, I had my friend from uh, Detroit send me four bottles. And for months, Maria has spent hours every day on her phone searching for formula to keep her son alive. I'm thankful that this happened a couple of weeks before I went back to work. This is my official second week going back to work because whenever Caleb was sleeping, I was on my phone. I'm looking, you know, Target, Walmart, Walgreens, Facebook and Instagram marketplace, Google and anywhere and texting people be like, this is the formula Caleb uses. Like if you see it anywhere, buy it, send me the receipts. I'll send you the, the money. Um, so it's like a second job for you almost. Oh, no. Yeah. Like I I told my husband and even thinking about it makes me cry because when you're a new mom, you're supposed to hold your baby and just have the time to like look at him. Right. And just because he's still like allows me to hold him and, and he sometimes falls asleep in my arms. But as soon as he falls asleep, I pull out my phone and I'm, I'm searching for formula for him because when else am I going to do it? Like at some point I have to eat and sleep <laughs> so that I can keep him alive. So any little chance that I have, I just look everywhere and, and, and anywhere. Maria is not alone. 
Across the U.S. right now, there's a dramatic shortage of baby formula. As of last week, supply is down by more than 40%. And that's impacting so many parents, many of whom don't want to or can't breastfeed exclusively. From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm Elahe Izadi, in for Martine Powers. It's Thursday, May 12th. Today on the show, we talk about what's behind this massive formula shortage and how right now across the country, there are so many parents panicking about how they're going to keep feeding their babies. It's been incredibly stressful and frustrating. I think a lot of parents have used words like they're feeling (laughs) abandoned. Amy Joyce writes about parenting for The Post. A lot of parents, you know, they're just spending so much time searching online at all the major retailers, at Amazon, at Target, at Walmart. They are waiting for notices about when formula is going to show up and people are lining up in front of stores. Um, I spoke with one man, he was at six grocery stores this week, and they're just sort of looking all over for it. Every person I spoke with said that they've reached out to family and friends around the country to keep an eye out for it. And if they find the formula that they need, they're shipping it. Um, One family, the grandfather was showing up for Mother's Day and he brought a suitcase with six cans of formula from Milwaukee to Seattle because he was able to get some there. For caregivers and parents who are not able to get enough formula, what are they doing to feed their babies? So everyone I spoke with has been able to get just enough formula so far. They're just afraid of what comes next. They have said that they may have to water it down or there have been parents who've been saying they're trying to make their own formula and every pediatrician is begging people not to do that. They're manufactured so children have exactly what they need in them. Um, And if you water it down, they're not going to get that. Some parents are saying, my baby right now can only eat this formula, but you know, if we have to get a different type of formula, I guess he'll get hungry enough and he will just have to eat it. So it's things that parents never, ever wanted to do or ever expected to be sitting in this situation. It's a, a really hard time. Amy, why is this happening? So it sort of started earlier this year. Uh, February appears to be when it started, but it's really so much worse right now than it had been. Uh, And it started back when the supply chain issues were already a problem, and they still are. But then Abbott, which is the manufacturer for a lot of formula like Similac, had a recall back in February, and it's been a major problem since that. And, and what was that recall about and what happened after that? So there was a recall because four babies got very sick and it appeared to be coming from the formula, a bacterial infection. In the meantime, back in October, there was a whistleblower account of problems at the plant that was manufacturing that formula. And it wasn't until December that the FDA investigated it. So some of the stuff that's coming out now, you know, Congresswoman Rosa DeLauro has asked for, I think, a look at it. She has said that the FDA has reacted too slowly and really sort of caused more issues here. And so 
Abbott is doing its own investigation, but they did recall a lot of formula from that plant. As a result, they are trying to bring more formula from an FDA-approved plant of its own in Ireland, but it that hasn't really hit the shelves yet. That hasn't really pumped up our, our supply of formula here yet. Why are we also dependent on this one manufacturer? Like, are there other types of formula? Or I know you said that Abbott has said they are trying to get formula from plants elsewhere, but but are there other options here? There are other options, and that is something the FDA has said that it's trying to do is it's talking to other manufacturers and trying to increase the amount that they supply. There are other small companies, you know, that can't produce the amount of formula that Abbott does or did that have been popping up, but they're also pretty expensive. So Abbott was a big part of the formula production here. In fact, when you have a baby in the hospital, a lot of times you go home with free supply of formula and a lot of times it's Similac. Similac is just sort of this very common formula that you will find everywhere, including at places like the DC Diaper Bank that has formula for people in need. And, you know, that is the free supplies that are thrown out there. It is just, it's a really common formula that you can find anywhere usually. What is the government doing about this? And is there room for the government to get even more involved? Uh, It appears that there is room for the government to get more involved. Uh, And there are some people who are pretty upset with how long it's taking the FDA to do things. The FDA is saying that it is working overtime, trying to figure this out. But, you know, politicians are starting to question how quickly they're working and what it is they're doing. So I think there's a lot of calls for the FDA to work a lot more quickly than it is uh, to try to get other manufacturers to produce more or to get Abbott to produce more at its various different plants, not the one that had the recall. So we're waiting to see how that push is going to impact this. The situation this is creating for parents sounds so difficult. And I know that formula was already expensive. Is this making that worse? Right. The prices are rising. And as Maria actually mentioned to me when she's searching for this formula online, sometimes people are selling it, leftover formula, and they're jacking up the prices. It's really distressing. Like I I see people in the marketplace, in the Facebook marketplace, that are selling the free cans that you get from Abbott for like $10, these are the little ones that you get. Like you, you can't buy them. They're they're little. They're they're definitely the sample ones, and they're selling it, trying to make a profit. There was someone on eBay that was selling one can of the Pro Total Comfort for three hundred dollars. Um, and honestly, I I was almost to the point where like, well, what else am I going to spend my money on? One woman I spoke with who lives in Texas, she's about to give birth. Her older son had major allergies and she's prepared that her next child will as well. And so she needed a formula called Pyramino. And she said that she just went online to order some and she looked and four cans of it, $548. Oh my God. Have you ever seen anything like this during your time writing about parenting? (laughs) Never. I have never seen anything like this. Um, I didn't see anything like this when my own sons were babies. And um, another woman I spoke with in Texas said, you know, I said to my mom, you never had to go through this. You know, you didn't have paid maternity leave. You had a lot of the same issues I have, but you didn't have a pandemic and you certainly didn't have to be looking everywhere for formula. 
but it's pretty unprecedented. After the break, how parents are dealing with this unprecedented shortage. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from the Washington Post wherever you listen. I wonder if right now we could just back up for a moment and and talk about the people who rely on formula. Do we know how many or what percentage of parents, for instance, use formula? Yeah, it's honestly the majority of parents use formula. One in four families breastfeed exclusively up to six months. So one in four is actually not all that many, and that's according to the CDC. Many, many people breastfeed, but also have to supplement with formula because a lot of times, you know, women just can't produce enough milk or they are working or they work in a kind of environment where stopping to pump breast milk is just not a possibility. Uh, If you're a shift worker or work in a restaurant, that sort of thing. So really, most Americans rely on formula. Some rely on it more desperately than others, Mm -hmm. but it's major. Yeah. I'm not a parent, but even I'm aware that the conversation, apart from this shortage around formula and breastfeeding, is already like really fraught. And people love expressing opinions about how people should be parenting. And I'm just wondering in the conversations you're having with these parents and people who are struggling, these caregivers, if they feel like this shortage is like this additional added weight to what already is such like an emotionally charged and personal thing. Every, every parent I spoke with hit on that. Breastfeeding is so fraught, like you said. You know, women who can't do it feel guilty. Women who choose not to do it for various reasons feel horrible. It really just tears everybody apart. And then as this is going on, there are people saying, oh, well, breastfeeding's free. Well, it's not. It's not free both because you're buying pumps and, you know, you might have to deal with lactation consultants and doctor's appointments. And if you get mastitis, you have high medical bills. It's not as simple as just being free. And it definitely is not like you can just turn a switch on and feed your baby. It's actually quite a lot of work. And honestly, with women who don't have maternity leave, it's a very difficult thing to do. I was in a very, very dark place when I when I finally accepted the fact that I couldn't breastfeed. That's Maria Murillo again. My husband got me through it because otherwise I don't know if I could have done it without him, right? He knows me better than I know myself. And without even telling him, by just looking at me, he knew that I was thinking that I was not enough, that this is all my fault. And he got me out of that. And this shortage is just putting me back in there. Because again, I'm I'm helpless to do what I'm supposed to do to feed my child. 
and I don't know how many moms are probably this. I, I don't know for certain. I'm pretty sure that I, I need to talk to someone, you know, about postpartum depression and all the things that I've been feeling because of all of this. But that's another thing to add to my plate that I don't, that I already don't have time for, right? So if it's between calling my insurance to try to figure out how much coverage I have to talk to someone or being on my phone searching for formula, I'm going to search for formula. I'm, I'm going to put Caleb first. Um, and almost to a fault. Like, I think that's why I was in such a dark place because I didn't care about me. I didn't care the fact that the machine was like literally hurting me when I was trying to express milk. Didn't care about it. But then I had to figure out that I had to take care of myself a little bit. Yeah. And to take care of myself so I can take care of Caleb. And it's not just babies and parents who rely on formula, right? Who, who else relies on this kind of product? Well, yeah. And honestly, this was something I didn't know too much about. And I'm, I'm still catching up on this. But there are medically fragile children and teenagers who can't eat solid foods and rely on formula to, to keep them alive as well. And the amount that they need is just what you would expect, you know, feeding a teenager. So it's really, you know, formula is a pretty essential element here in our nation. And it's just um, pretty unbelievable that this is happening. I mean, I'm just sitting here listening to what you're saying and what parents are going through. And this just seems like it's a huge national emergency. Am I wrong in, in viewing it that way? No, I think it is a huge national emergency. Just talk to any parent of a baby right now and they are really floundering. A lot of them that I spoke with don't understand why there isn't more of an uproar. It does feel like we are starting to hear more about it. But this week there was a, a reporter at Huffington Post who said he spoke with several senators and they didn't even know what he meant when he asked them about the formula shortage. So parents are hearing this and they are pretty upset because they have been dealing with this since February. How has Maria been dealing with this? Well, Maria, to me, she sounded very strong and very competent, but she's sad. She's very, very sad because she feels like her one job in life is to protect her child and to feed her child. And it's just very difficult to do that right now. We shouldn't be in this place. Not, I understand, you know, like there are people all over the world that have to ration food and that they're not in a place where they feel comfortable wherever, like, you know, in terms of like what they're going to eat every day. But I'm hopeful that those people can reach out for help and and receive it, be it to their government or to a foreign entity. I don't know where to start to ask for help. And I don't think there is anyone right now that I could reach out and ask for help. Because, um, you know, I have people in Canada, but Canadian formula is different. I don't know if I should get it and then try it with Caleb. And if I do, like, what the, what is that going to do to his immune system? I know this is what he needs and this is what he responds to. Mm -hmm. So I don't have any help out, outside of that. So if there is someone that knows any type of help at all, you know, yeah. say something, yeah. <laughs> anything. <laughs> I wonder in, in your conversations with people like Maria, have you been thinking about what this says about our country right now that this is happening. And yes, there are more and more news reports about it, but it hasn't yet risen to the level of national consciousness that 
another kind of national emergency has had or one would think. Yeah, absolutely. And to me, in many ways, you know, I've I've been a parent for 14 years now and I've covered parenting for a very long time and I talk to parents constantly. And it just sort of follows that parents are feeling very much like they've been abandoned. When you have a young baby, you don't necessarily have the time to have a voice and to lobby and to, you know, shout out what is needed. And I think there are so many issues that impact parents of young children that just sort of are allowed to kind of fly under the radar. You know, there are children without formula right now, and there are mothers who have to go back to work, you know, a week after they give birth. And there are all these issues. There are children under the age of five still don't have vaccines for COVID. And that was brought up by every parent I spoke with. One woman said, I just feel like parents of kids five and younger have just totally been forgotten. And this formula situation is really bringing that point home for a lot of them. Amy, I'm wondering how this strikes you in light of the other big news right now about the Supreme Court and Roe versus Wade, which will probably be struck down this summer. And now it's like there's this big conversation going on connected to that about how hard it is to raise children in this country and how little support people actually have. It's constantly on my mind. Um, You know, I worked with our graphics team just last week where we looked at the trigger states uh, where these laws are going to go into place and looked at a few different things about how new mothers are treated after they have their babies there. And honestly, a lot of these states have a high rate of maternal mortality. They have high health care costs, women with very little insurance. And so this is on my mind with this formula issue. A lot of times, you know, people are saying, okay, there's the abortion issue, but what are you doing for women after babies are born? And this just sort of underscores all of that. One more conversation I had with a mother in Texas, the one who just found the four cans cost $500. She said, you know, I have friends who are on the fence. Should I have children? Should I not? And I say to them, if you don't think you want to have children right now, don't, because you don't understand how hard it is to raise children in this country right now. Amy Joyce covers parenting for The Post. President Biden sat down with formula companies Thursday afternoon. The White House announced a series of steps it was taking to address the crisis, including increasing the supply of imported formula. Abbott Nutrition has said there's no evidence to link their formula to the baby's illnesses, but the FDA is still investigating. This week, Abbott said they understand the situation is urgent. They expect to reopen the plant within two weeks if the FDA approves. From the time they restart, it will take six to eight weeks to get product from that plant onto shelves. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. This episode was produced by Renny Svernofsky and Emma Talkoff and edited by Maggie Penman. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. 
The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen.